Let's go to uh, Justin Heyer here. He's from Finsider, also the Aqua and Orange Show podcast. Justin, thank you so much for joining us today. I know it's probably been a pretty hectic week for you. Guys, yeah, thank you so much for having me. It has been quite the week indeed. So before we get to that, Ira wants to talk a lot about you know what's just transpired, but I want to go back and hear it from the real hardcore Miami Dolphins fan, because when... Brian Flores was let go. Me and Ira were kind of shocked. We thought he was an excellent coach. We thought they were building something. Now, within, what, six weeks, we've seen Mike McDaniel come in, and this team is on a totally different trajectory. So do you want to explain to me what a Miami Dolphins fan's life has been like since the firing and where we are now? A whirlwind. That's, that's <laughs> what I'd use to, to describe it. But from, from someone who's been born and raised in South Florida, has been following the Miami Dolphins for a long time's perspective, what we've seen over the course of the past couple of weeks, the past week or so in particular, is what a lot of fans, I think, would describe as undolphins like in a lot of positive I, I said that to open the show. This is not a big Dolphins right, thing. Exactly. exactly. And the team has seen opportunities to upgrade the roster at very important spots in very serious ways and has said, you know what? We believe that this team is capable of winning and to keep up in such a stacked AFC that is only upgrading these moves needed to be made. Ira, you have anything? Well, I guess the point is, I mean, I think the talk is the Tyreek Hill trade. I mean, it was one of the things that I, no one at Kansas City, I was in Kansas City for two games, the Steeler playoff game and the championship game against the Bengals. I don't think I heard, I read heard talk radio for, I guess, five, six, seven straight days. Not one person said, oh, we're, we should trade Tyreek Hill for draft picks. <laughs> like, this came out of nowhere. And what a move, though, for the Dolphins and of the team to pick him up is the Dolphins. Absolutely out of nowhere. I mean, I was, I was, I saw this on my Twitter timeline a couple of days ago. And I was like, this, I have to, this has to be a parody account. This, uh, what I'm looking at can't be real right now. And lo and behold, it was. It looked like his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, said, you know what, these talks aren't necessarily going where we want them to go. And the chief said, okay, you know, we are willing to, to, to let you look around. And Tyreek Hill and his agent said, okay, where do we want to go? And the Chiefs did right by him and said, where do you want to go? We'll try to make it happen. And, you know, kudos to Chris Greer and that entire front office. They were able to say, this opportunity is coming up out of nowhere. Let's dive all the way in, see if we can make this happen. And at the end of the day, not only were they willing to give up the draft capital, but they said, we'll also give this superstar player a contract that he needs to, to, to come down to South Florida. And it also sounded like, a little bit of luck for the Dolphins, too, in that Tyreek Hill really wanted Miami from the start. So it was an aligning of the stars, so to speak. Yes, I mean, the day of the trade, the rumor was Jets or Dolphins. And I'm like thinking, well, no state income taxes in Florida. I knew he lived in Florida. And uh, I just I didn't I didn't really believe like I thought, boy, that seems to be an easy call. But you didn't know you, at one point you thought it was going to be the Jets. But I guess you hit the nail on the head. There were two components of this, not only the 29th pick, the 50th pick, the fourth two fourth round picks for the for for Tyreek Hill, who's been the first or second most dynamic wide receiver in the game, but also the commitment of 25, 30, you know, how they do the cap dynamics, but to take such big part of your salary cap, something that Kansas City was unwilling to do, but make that commitment. Oh, the diff big difference there between Miami and Kansas City is Kansas City has a player who they're paying nearly half a billion dollars to, to play quarterback. Miami obviously does not have that at the moment and is able to say, well, we've been saying we're going to go in all in on Tua, and if we really want to give him a shot and we really want to see by the end of this year, is he the guy? Well, let's give him every shot possible. Let's give him the most dynamic wide open in the league. Let's also, you know, give him one of the best left tackles in the NFL. And they are holding true to their word. They are surrounding him with everything that he needs 
to potentially succeed. And then you mentioned about the left tackle, the Terran Armstead from New Orleans, signing him to a five-year, $75 million deal, the, I think the highest contract for an offensive lineman in football. The move that what a move that would that came from. I mean, that was before the Tyreek Hill move, but to solidify that offensive line because people saying, well, Tua, you know, he can't do what he did in Alabama because he's going to he has to he can't doesn't have time. But now this is like trying to give him the time to throw to throw down the field to Tyreek Hill and to Waddle. Exactly. I mean, Miami had the 32nd ranked. That's last offensive mm-hmm. line in the NFL per pro football focus last year. How any quarterback minus maybe the top one or two guys in the league are supposed to succeed behind the line like that is is nearly impossible. And so to get him to run Armstead, who, yes, he's had his injury issues, but when he's been on the field, has been one of, if not the best pass-protecting tackle in the NFL. They also got Connor Williams, who, despite some penalty issues, has been a very good pass protector. They are starting to rebuild that O-line, and when you're trying to get the ball down the field to these types of playmakers, you need a little bit of time. It's like people have been, people were... Um, we're saying that Tua wasn't throwing deep enough. Well, how are you supposed to throw deep when there's someone in your face after about two seconds? So now he'll have that time, and now it's that real test. Okay, you have all the playmakers. You have the rebuilt O-line. Can you now succeed with this much revamped supporting cast and the running game, too, with those two running backs, uh, Mostert and Edmonds there as well? Well, I mean, that's the jump from the the wide receivers. They signed Cedric Williams from the Cowboys. People say, okay, that's great, upgrade, put him with Waddle. And then you franchise tag Kasicki, who people consider one of the top four or five tight ends in the game. They're looking great. So uh, the Williams signing, my Cowboy fans are like, he's good. Like, he they didn't use him well. Like, Dak didn't throw him the ball. Like, the, I'm hearing that. And certainly bringing back Kasicki, who was tremendous there with Tua. Uh, you're, and d- then to put Hill into that mix with Waddle. That's where people are saying, what a, what a, a tandem. What a, not just tandem. And what a group. This suddenly goes from Jalen Waddell, one of the best rookie wideouts uh, of the last bunch of years, Mike Isecki, and, well, I mean, sometimes healthy Devontae Parker. Yeah, half of Devontae now Parker. You have <laughs> one of the best supporting cats in the entire NFL in the span of one offseason. And let's not forget an offensive minded head coach who's been lauded for his genius on that side of the ball in so many ways, too. And for all these people who play fantasy football, guessing the Miami Dolphin running back is probably, I mean, people have, how much hair has been lost? For the last four years, For yeah. figuring out who is going to run, who's going to have this. I mean, you're still going to have that, but usually how many games have you had where you've had 20 carries, two yards, the Miles Gaskins, all those Suddenly you get Chase Edmonds from Arizona, Raheem Mostard, who we remember from the Green Bay game. I mean, that's one reason why Aaron Rodgers wasn't in the Super Bowl when Jimmy G mm-hmm. was, is because they couldn't stop Raheem Mostard. I mean, even Aaron Rodgers couldn't stop Raheem Mostard. So that what what an addition to the running game for someone McDaniel who's known for his running back prowess in terms of how to utilize them. Absolutely, and if you look at just the numbers, it's like okay, well Chase uh, Chase Edmonds got a a reasonably uh, more rich contract in terms of the average per year. So you think we'll get the first crack at the starting job? He also fits that team perfectly. But when you look at the way Mike McDaniel and the San Francisco offense has rotated running backs over the the last few years. And also the fact that Raheem Mostert and more recently Chase Edmonds have had a little bit of injury issues. There's no question that both of these guys are going to get significant touches. And I wouldn't be surprised you're talking fantasy football if both of them, uh, all you know, many weeks of the year, are going to be somewhat fantasy relevant or even have some breakout games that win you weeks. No, and I'm with you on that. As a fantasy guy, I'm all over getting that handcuff because you're going to be able to get it much more affordably than other ones. And yeah, if one of them does go down, the workload for you know the other is going to be fantastic. I do want to ask you though. You know, you talked earlier about this is make it or break it for Tua. 
What do you think the leash is here? Because I know Mike McDaniel doesn't want to lose. And Teddy Bridgewater coming in, great veteran presence. He's a good guy in the locker room. But how much leeway do you think the Dolphins organization is ready to give Tua now that he should have the weapons? I would guess that based on the way McDaniel has spoken, based on the way Chris Greer has spoken, I mean, at the owners meeting today, McDaniel clarified that they brought in Teddy Bridgewater to be Tua's backup. Both guys are aware of it, and that is the that that is it. Period. And so I would be shocked if, barring an absolute meltdown in performance several weeks in a row, we see Tua pulled for Teddy Bridgewater. And I think it's uh, Tua is the starter unless he has hurt type of situation. You invested a top five pick in him. Mike McDaniel has been doing nothing but talking him up, and now you have surrounded him with all the tools needed to succeed. My guess is unless, like I said, there's an absolute meltdown in play, Tua is the guy for the entire year. And, of course, again, barring barring injury. And it's almost like they're creating the Alabama. When, when Tua was there, people weren't questioning his arm strength. I mean, people say tanking for Tua because they watched what he was doing and throwing to Waddle and Judy and all and uh, all the stars that Bama had. He put on a team that he couldn't do those things, and then he struggled. But I think that's where – I think, again, that when his rookie year, forcing him in after the hip injury and not having Ryan Fitzpatrick there, I think that set him back too. I think, you know, that's why Patrick Mahomes didn't – I don't think he took a snap. I think only the last game of the year he took a snap. I, I think it would have been, I think, wiser to keep Tua – that rookie year and not try to force him into the lineup. Yeah, you, it's really tough to know exactly how much the hip injury may have impacted his first year. You have to imagine with an injury that was that uh, catastrophic in nature that it's been pretty miraculous that he's able to come back from, but that probably impacted his play, whether it was mental or physical or both in his first year. Now, several years removed from that, being able to totally focus on improving in other ways ex- besides just getting healthy probably will help quite a bit over this over this next year and having this full off season now to work with Mike McDaniel learn that playbook learn this new system um, with an, a system that seems to be based not only on personnel but also in the way Mike McDaniel is talking about how things are going to be run with play action and the run scheme tailored around to uh, will probably help quite a bit as well can you remember a time the, when the, the enthusiasm for the Dolphins has been this high, I mean, it's like the time it was. I was it was growing a little, and I think the Hill just lit that match. I mean, it was unbelievable. I I just can't. I don't know what their season ticket sales or whatever, but just walking around and talking to people, the enthu- I've never seen this enthusiasm for the Dolphins. I mean, as much as there's all these great teams, the AFC and all these other, you have all these other. It seems like that is like we're all in, and we're. I just I love it. I mean, being down here and seeing the Dolphins being this excitement is. I, I the only game I saw this year was when they played the Texans. So. <laughs> it is so funny you say that. I actually saw uh, a tweet the other day from uh, Andy Slater, who does a, a lot of stuff down here in South Florida, said uh, the Miami Dol- Dolphins sold, and I'm uh, quoting here, a ton of season tickets today. That was the Tyree Kill trade day. Huge afternoon of premium sales source told him. Uh, I, ju- I just found this now. And uh, I- I'm not surprised. I mean, who doesn't want to go see a dynamic offense like that? I don't remember the last time the Dolphins, like you uh, just asked, had this much excitement heading into the year, especially on the offensive side of the ball where people are just chomping at the bit for September to roll around. Are you a little nervous about the defense? We're not talking about the defense much. I know they haven't made the moves there. I just a little, you know, some concern maybe on the defensive side? You know, especially the way the season ended uh, last year. And, you know, you could look at who they were playing, and it was not, uh, it's not a murderer's row of quarterbacks by any means. But the defense played really well down the stretch last year. And so the Dolphins knew that they had a finite amount of resources, a large number of resources 
for sure, but a finite number of resources, and they said, let's invest on the side of the ball that needs a lot more help, and that was the offense. And they said, in the meantime, let's keep consistency on the defense, keeping the defensive coordinator, retaining Emmanuel Ogba, I think was a huge move. You know, him and Phillips on the edge, you kept most of that linebacker core, the entire mm-hmm. secondary intact. I wouldn't be surprised if they looked to maybe add one more piece, maybe a little bit more depth needed at linebacker. But in general, given the, the level of talent on that side of the ball, David Howard, Javon Holland, Jerome Baker, Emmanuel Ogba, Jalen Phillips, Byron Jones, Christian Wilkins, there's a lot of talent there. And so I think the only question is, can they keep the momentum going from last year? Uh, but given given the consistency that you're keeping there, not only in coaching but in players, I'd say that that's probably not – that doesn't need to be top-of-mind worry for, for Dolphins fans or for the team. And, Justin, before we let you go, you know, we talked earlier, we're really entrenched now in South Florida with Tyreek and with Jalen. Cedric Williams, great player, too. And I'm hearing a lot, especially in the last 48 hours, about Devontae Parker being on the block and getting phone calls. Have you heard anything about potential suitors or what they could possibly get if Devontae Parker does get shipped out of Miami? So, you know, we've been reading and hearing potentially that uh, I think it was uh, Barry Jackson of Herald was reporting out there yeah. also that there are some teams that are interested in Devontae Parker. The Eagles could make a lot of sense given their needs uh, at wide receiver and the type of wide receiver they need to pair with Devonta Smith. The thing is, the Dolphins would not save a ton of cap space by trading Devontae Parker, and so to actively choose to get rid of extra depth at the position for not much reward, I don't think Devontae Parker is going to be netting you like a high-round pick. I don't think anyone thinks that at this point in his career and the injury concerns. So I think he provides you a lot more as an option on the field then he would in a return for a trade. I think the only situation where you see that happen is if a team comes in and says, we want Devontae Parker as a starter. We see that you might need starting help at center or right tackle or what have you. So that is the only situation where I see it would make sense to move him. Otherwise, given the fact that there's not a whole lot of cap relief available there, it's a very manageable contract, I would say probably not. So at this point, probably about 50-50, depending on whether or not a team wants to give Miami an offer that can't refuse them to speak. <laughs> Great stuff here from uh, Justin Heyer. Justin, a lot of places to hear or read your work. How do we do it? So definitely it's pinsider.com, estimations of pinsider.com. I've been with them for a while, and uh, definitely would uh, we definitely appreciate you guys coming over and reading some of our stuff. Also, the Aqua and Orange Show podcast. You can find it in video form on YouTube audio pretty much everywhere else you find your podcast spotify apple what have you and i'm um, always on twitter at hire justin that's at h-i-e-r justin justin hire thank you so much for joining us here on ira on sports it's 746 Thanks this is the me, anytime 746 this is uh, oldies 95.9 and 1069